All right, all right. You can be seated again. We're going to jump into it tonight. I'm pumped about tonight. I'm going to teach a little and I'm going to preach a little. Is that okay? I, I, I thought about just teaching a little and, uh, and then I looked down and realized that I couldn't do that because, I don't know if you can see this or not, but I'm wearing my hot pepper socks. Now, my, my daughter Elizabeth gave me these hot pepper socks for my birthday one year, and she said, Dad, whenever you wear, wear these socks, you got to what, Elizabeth? Bring the heat. You got to bring the heat, Dad. So, so I really don't. I, I didn't mean to, but I, I got them on, and so I, I got to do a little preaching, a little teaching, a little preaching. We're going to dive into a passage of Scripture tonight, and I'm pumped about it. Um, this particular passage of scripture is in the book of Mark chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 8 or it'll be up on the screen for you. And uh, I'm just going to read this passage of scripture and then we're going to dive into what I believe God has for you. He's been working with me on this since the first of the year and I'm excited about this. It says this starting in verse 22 that uh, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he, couldn't see, he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back to the village on your way home. Now, I, I, I'm calling tonight, you ain't seen nothing yet. I, 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 now, I don't know if like some of you guys are like grammar Nazis and maybe you, 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 like that kind of messes with you, kind of messes with me too. I kind of want you to hear tonight. So the real message tonight is that you ain't seen nothing yet. Turn to somebody near you and say, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now, now here's the thing. I was talking to Ethan before we brought him on staff, and, uh, and I wanted to have one more good conversation with him before we hired him. And it's the same conversation that Pastor Jerry had with me uh, many moons ago. And, uh, and in this conversation, if you were just kind of eavesdropping, you would think, you're trying to talk this guy out of this job. And, but I just wanted him to come into it with his eyes open. I wanted him to know exactly what he was facing. In fact, I told him, if I could, if I could like travel back in time to a 20-something-year-old version of myself just entering into ministry, these are the things that I would want to know too. And this is what I would talk to you about, to talk to myself about. And so this is what I wanted you to be aware of before you walk into what you're, you're walking into. I want you to be expecting this. And, and, and I told him that, listen, there's going to be some tough days. There's going to be some hard days, and there's going to be some busy seasons, and there's going to be there are times where you're going to go home, and you're going to think, gosh, man, why am I doing this? I could walk out in the world and make a whole lot more money and have a whole lot more, less pressure on me, but here I am doing this. And I'm, I told him, listen, there's going to come times, Ethan, where you're going to want to throw in the towel. But I said, when you start feeling that, I want you to hear from somebody that's a little bit further down the line. You ain't seen nothing yet. Now, that's a good thing and it's a bad thing. You, there's going to be some moments where you ain't seen nothing yet. And then there's going to be some amazing moments where you walk with people and you see God do incredible things in their life. And you're going to think, gosh, that's incredible. And God just wants you to know you ain't seen nothing yet. And so I, I carried that home with me. And that week, I was driving home one night, and I started thinking about that concept. Like, if I could go back in time to different versions of myself, like if there were times in my life that I could go back, what would I tell myself? 
Like, what would I say? And I, I thought back to like a, 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 a time when I was a young man and uh, just out of high school and I, had, I was devastated because I had just broken up with a girl I thought I was supposed to marry. I mean, like she was supposed to be the one and I was just devastated. And I thought if I could go back in time and talk to that young man, I would say, listen, now knowing what I know after, after being with my beautiful wife for over 20 years or for about 20 years, they're about, right? About 20 years now dating their... You ain't seen nothing yet. Like, like after being with her for, for 20 years and, and now having three beautiful kids, like I would go to that young devastated man and I'd say, listen, it's going to work out fine. You ain't seen nothing yet. And if I could go back in time, I thought, what if I could go back in time to a, a young man who was working a job that he, he wasn't fulfilled in, in in any way? And, and that young man was looking at God saying, is this all there is? God, is this where I've gotten with you? And like, this is what I'm going to be doing? Now, knowing what I know now, I would go back in time and I would look at that guy and I'd say, hang on, Tom, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get better. I would look at a young version of a dad trying to figure out how to put diapers on. And, and, and he's frustrated at babies crying and, and, and pee diapers and poop diapers. And I would look at that. see nothing yet. And, and, and so I, I wonder, if you could go back in time, what would you tell that younger version of yourself? Like, if you could go back then, what would be some of the stories that you would share with yourself? Because now that you're on the other side of things, and now that you know things, and you have seen things completely differently, because where you are now, what would you say? What kind of things would you come back to that you were okay with then, and now being on the other side of things, you know, what was I thinking? Like, what are those things that you would go back and say, man, don't do that, there's so much better. Because now I have a vision, I have a perspective of, of where I am. This is what the disciples were going through. In Mark chapter 8, they had a certain perspective. They had a certain vantage point that they were seeing things through based on their walk with God. And if you could just walk back a little bit before we got into that passage of scripture, you would see that what Jesus just did was incredible. Right before they got to Bethsaida, Jesus had just performed an incredible miracle. He had just, using seven loaves of bread and some fish sticks, he, he fed, the Bible says, 4,000 men, which if you, because they didn't count women and, and kids, that was likely 12,000 people. Like, he just got through performing this incredible miracle. And after he performs this miracle, they get up on the boat, and, and he takes the disciples, and they're, they're sailing over toward, towards Bethsaida. And while they're sailing, sailing there, Jesus tells them this incredible statement. He says, he looks at them, and he says, don't eat the, the leavened bread of the Pharisees and of Herod. And what he was meaning was don't, don't take in the worldview that they, are, that they have. Because don't look at what the world says is, is better or more important. Don't look at what these people are, are chasing after because all they're chasing after is miracles and signs and wonders. They want the miracles. They want the signs. They want, the ones, they want none of the relationship. And, and Jesus was trying to tell them all of that. But here's the thing. They have their vantage point, the, the current walk with God, so how they were seeing things. And so what did they start doing? They hear Jesus talking about bread. Now, they had gathered up seven basketfuls, loaves of, of leftovers, because Jesus made so much bread that they were set. There was, everyone got a doggy bag. And, and so, like, they had all these bread, but they left it. And so they're sailing over. They hear Jesus talking about bread, and they said, oh, Jesus must be hungry. And then they start to argue with themselves about the bread. And so they, they say, you know, you can imagine what they're saying. Judas, did you take all the bread? You know, or Peter, did you eat it all? And he's like, no. And then they're fighting and they're going back and forth. And you can imagine Jesus just watching this utterly baffled. 
Like, I can't believe that they're, they're fighting over this bread. He said, like, you know, how long have you guys been walking with me? I literally just took seven loaves and some fish sticks and fed 12,000 people, and you think I'm talking about bread? Like, can you imagine what he's thinking? And then he says this incredible statement. He says, you have eyes, but you can't see. You have ears, but you can't hear. Do you remember anything at all? See, Jesus realizes that he's been walking with these guys for a long time, but they still don't get him. And that's where I want to dive into. I want to pick apart in Mark chapter 8. So Jesus is explaining this to them, right? He's incredible. If we just listen for him. And watch what happens. He says, it says, when they arrived in Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch the man. Say touch. They begged him to touch the man and heal him. Now, touch actually has two meanings. And the first meaning is, is to fasten or adhere to. To fasten or to adhere to. They said, Jesus, will you fasten or adhere to this man? Now, the second meaning we'll get to later on. But, but the first one says they wanted to touch him. They wanted him to get a hold of this guy. So look at what Jesus does. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. The first thing I want you to hear tonight is this. Get out. Get out. I've been wanting to say that to some of you. No, I'm just kidding. Not out of the building. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. Don't get out of the building. What I'm trying to say is this is the first thing that Jesus does. He tells him, get out. Turn to the person next to you and say, get out. Now, getting out means so much more than just a physical position. See, Jesus came to get you out. He wants you to get out, out of your sin, out of your rebellion, out of your sinful nature. And what he does is he brings us out. And because Jesus just loves too much. He loves us too much to leave us where he finds us. And Jesus wants to get us out. And so when Jesus came, he came on a rescue mission. He wants to get you completely out. See, salvation is not just like a get out of hell card. Okay, that's what the world looks at it like. Like, like so many cultural Christianity says that, they, that salvation is this get out of hell thing. But that's not the thing. That's not why God came to get you out. See, the thing is, is I, I think it's ridiculous for us to pray the sinner's prayer for us to receive Jesus Christ and then go on living in the same way we're, we've been living. In the same patterns and the same chains and the same bondages and the same addictions. See, I believe it is a disgrace to pray the sinner's prayer and then never activate the power. Liz, I'm wearing the, shoe, the socks. I don't know what the deal is. They should be responding better. I'm bringing the heat. I'm bringing the heat. All right, here, here's what the thing is. Jesus said, I came to bring you out. Not just keep you from hell. I came to give you a purpose. I want to give you something to live for. And, and he left heaven and he emptied himself for a reason. See, I want you to hear this so badly. Jesus didn't save you from something. Jesus saved you for something. Oh, that's good, man. The problem is, the problem that we have a lot of times is we do this. We deliberately walk backwards into our own sin. Jesus gets us out of this, and then we walk right back into those same conditions that he came to get us out of. Listen, this is why it's so important what, what Paul says in Hebrews. He says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left. That ought to be powerful. That ought to, that ought to stop you tonight and make you think. In other words, if we receive Christ and then go right back to what he brought us out of, Paul says it's like taking the blood of Jesus and just stepping all over it. There's no other sacrifice left. See, in order to understand how important and how powerful him to us, not so we could just play around and go back into our sinful desires, he gave us Jesus so that you could be free. 
free from addiction, free from pain, free from brokenness. He gave it to He gave Jesus so that we could have it all and not just go back to that. And in order for us to, to go back to that, what we're saying to Jesus is, Jesus, I recognize that you gave up all of that, but I prefer this. That's what he's saying. And so the first thing that Jesus did was to get the blind man out. And then, and you got to hear this, the first thing he does is he leads him out of the village. You know what the village is, right? The village is your comfort. The village is the cycles, the stuff that you're used to, the safety. The village is the place where you feel nice and safe. And Jesus came to get him out. First thing he did was get him out of that. And he says, I want to get you out of those cycles. I came to break you out of those. Look at this. Then the next thing he does is so cool to me. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and he asked, can you see anything now? Then the man looked around. He says, yes, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Here's the second thing I want you to see tonight. You have to own it. Turn to the person next to you and say, own it. See, when Jesus touches you, he touches you not so you can feel something. He touches you because he wants you to see something. He wants to show you something you have never seen before. See, this, the only thing that, that, that you should get out of like this tonight, one of the things that you should pull away is that, man, I've got to go deeper into Scripture. I need to pick Scripture apart. I'm telling you right now, you ought to, I've heard this story a thousand times, and I started reading it, and Jesus started showing me stuff if I just slow down. Jesus wants to show you something you ain't never seen before. That's what he wants you to see. And tonight, I want to show you what God is showing you. When you read through this, something ought to jump right out of you, right out at you. You know what this is? Why is it that this is the only ministry where Jesus healed somebody and it wasn't automatic? Think about it. Find a place where Jesus was healing somebody and it happened in two stages. This is the only miracle. Jesus is trying to show us something. I think he's trying to show you something tonight. He's trying to show you this, that you've received the initial touch but your spiritual insight is incomplete. I believe that Jesus is trying to, he was trying to show the disciples that he's trying to show you this tonight, that, that you've seen some things. You've walked with Jesus for a little while, but you haven't seen Jesus the way he wants you to see Jesus. And what you have right now is a blurred, incorrect, distorted perspective of who Jesus is. I wonder how many of us actually fall into this category that we think we're right with God. We feel like we know who Jesus is, but in reality, we don't really get him. And because we don't get him, we don't understand that he has a purpose for us. Like there is, Jesus has a purpose for you, a specific purpose that he wants you to do. And, and so many times I think we don't, live, we don't understand this. Think about what he said in the very beginning. He says, you have eyes to see, but you don't see. You have ears, but you can't hear. Jesus is trying to tell us, and this, this is something more in this passage. There's a lot here. This passage should make you ask something. Here, here's another thing it made me ask. How come the blind man wasn't healed immediately? Like, why, like any other time that Jesus, like, why was that? Like, Jesus, he spit in his eyes. Why wasn't he healed instantly? Like, did Jesus not have his coffee that day? You know, like, did, did he not pray enough? Was he too wiped out from the last miracle with the 12,000 people and the bread? Why is it that he wasn't healed instantly? And for that matter, why, was it, why did he have to, to spit? Like, why didn't he just use words? Like, think about it. Every other, every other time that Jesus healed somebody, it was with words. When Jesus uh, called Lazarus out, it was with words. When Jesus healed a little girl, it was with words. When, when Jesus told the centurion's servant that he's healed, 
It was with words. Now suddenly he's spitting. And then he asked the dude, he says, do you see anything? Why? Why is he doing that? I believe Jesus is asking him this because he do you see any change? Has there been any transformation in you? You see, he wants you to own your condition and your blindness before he'll take it away. Jesus won't heal the sickness that you're not willing to admit you have. Oh, man, that was good. That was better, Liz, I'm telling you. In other words, let me say it this way. Jesus won't take away your blindness if you're happy living in the dark. Jesus is, if you're happy living there, if you won't admit to it, if you won't say, God, this is my condition, and you won't own your condition, and, and your pain, and your bitterness, and your anger, and your addiction, if you're going to stop, if you're going to keep blaming that on somebody else and not own it for yourself, then Jesus can't take that away from you. Listen, if you keep tolerating the same patterns of pain and defeat, then you're not a victim, you're a volunteer. And I'm just here to tell you that, that the blind man could have, when Jesus asked him that, he, when he said why, the blind man could, can, how, can you see? Jesus uh, could have, when he asked him that, he could have looked at Jesus and said, well, yeah, it's blurry, but it's pretty good. You know, compared to what I got, it's, it, it's pretty good. You know, I wasn't seeing anything, and now I've seen this. I think so many of us are so used to our conditions, and we accept our current conditions as believers because we're so used to it. And we come to church, and we get enough hope for a week. And we get enough courage for a week. And then what we end up doing is we wind up fighting the same exact giant, the same issue and the same addiction. And we go right back into this. And listen, I want to tell you this. God doesn't want you throwing stones at giants. He wants you taking their heads off. That's what God wants you to do. See, God says he doesn't want you fighting that same issue and that same pain and that same problem over and over and over again. He said, I've made you more than a conqueror. He said, I came to bring you out. And you have to own it. You have to be willing to admit it. Maybe, maybe you have to look at this area of your life and you say, man, that's not where I, I'm not where I need to be here, Jesus. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. You need to stop putting band-aids on it. You need to conquer this thing. And you need to say, God, you have made me more than a conqueror. And maybe it's an area of pain or struggling. And God is saying, I want you to get to the root of that thing once and for all. In verse 25, it says this, then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. Say again. again. He placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could, go, he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back to the village on your way home. The last thing I want you to hear about is this word, one word, again. Do it again, Jesus. Yeah. See, this word means repetition, but it also means I'm not done with you yet. See, Jesus wasn't done with you yet. Jesus isn't done with the blind man. He's not done with you. He was in the process of performing a miracle so that he could show his disciples that this is a process. That, that, that walking with Jesus means growing and maturing. It's not simply just one and done. You got to grow. He's telling him, you're not, I'm not finished with you yet. There's more to it. He's telling his disciples that. He was telling the blind man that. He's telling you that tonight, that there's more. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm here to tell you, I think that some of you, some of us have been living with half miracles. That we're halfway miracles and we've been in, content with what God's done. God's done something in our life. 
And we look at that and we say, man, that's good. God, thanks for that. And then we walk away saying, that's pretty good. And God says, I'm not done. That's not all I wanted for you. Think about this. If you could go back in time and, and, and look at some of those incredible stories in the Bible, like Elijah. Remember Elijah was, and Elisha, they were surrounded by the army. And they looked around and there was all the enemies all around them. And, and his servants started to get nervous. And so he, Elijah prayed, God would just open his eyes if he could just see. And then what happened? He opened up his eyes and he saw that, yes, there was all the armies that were surrounding him, but the armies of God were even greater, and they were all around him. If you could go back right at that time, you might say, man, wait, just wait, hold on. You ain't seen nothing yet. What? And they're just thinking about, it's over. This is it. And Jesus come walking up, and he said, they look at him, and they say, Jesus, if you had been here earlier, this wouldn't have happened. And you, don't you just want to say, if you could stop in the middle of the story, just wait, wait. You haven't seen everything that Jesus wants to show you yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm here to tell you that some of us are in our stories. God wants you to hear this. You ain't seen nothing yet. This is not done. You see, so many saints have gone on before you. And they have seen all that they've gone through. And they know what you're dealing with. I was so excited this week as I heard this story. Brittany's grandfather went on to be with the Lord. And he was a pastor. And one of the most inspiring things I heard all week was that one of, in one of his last messages, he got so excited and he said, oh, I just can't wait to be with Jesus. And I thought, man, here is a guy that it knows because he knows you ain't seen nothing yet. That when we get to the other side of this thing, things seem completely different. God wants you to hear this. You ain't seen nothing yet. So many of those saints, this is why Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Those saints would say, if they could say to you right now, they would say, hold on, you ain't seen nothing yet. It, the pain and the obstacles and the problems and the, the troubles and the battles, they're all worth it because you ain't seen nothing yet. See, in Philippians, Paul says, I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished. Say finished. Finished, finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That means that he is going to finish what he started. He's not done with you yet. You're a miracle in process. You're a miracle in progress. He's not done with you. You ain't seen nothing yet. Give him praise in this house. But there's one last thing that we have to deal with before I'm done. Come on up, worship team. The spit. Like, what's the deal with the spit? How about this, Jesus? Like, at any other time has, has ever Jesus ever used spit? Like, he didn't use spit when he raised Lazarus. He didn't use spit with the little girl. Like, if I'm the blind man, I'm wondering to myself, like, seriously? Really? I mean, like, you brought me out of the village to spit on me? I mean, spit's just gross. Come on, parents. How many times do you get on to your kids for spitting? Spit is just nasty. Until you realize what spit is and what spit's made out of. Spit's saliva. And inside saliva is something powerful. I looked it up. Look, this is what it says. It says saliva contains biological material from which your genetic blueprint can be determined. It contains chromosomes. These chromosomes are made up of DNA, which is short for dioxyribonucleic acid. And this is a double-stranded molecule that gets much of the credit for what we look like and what we act. 
See, I read that and I started getting excited because I thought Jesus didn't just spit in the man's eyes. He was giving him his DNA. See, some of you need to look at your, your habits and, and your patterns and the way you look and the way you act and the way you respond. And you need to tell them that you need to line up because Jesus put his DNA inside of you. He breathed his breath inside of you. And so you can start delivering differently. You can start acting differently. You can start speaking differently because the king of all kings has placed his DNA inside of you. This is how you can become more than a conqueror. This is how you can overcome bitterness. This is how you can overcome anger and addiction and all of these problems because his DNA is inside of you. You might see yourself as nasty and dirty and no good, but Jesus says, my DNA is inside of you. And when I match that with my destiny, with, with my incredible power, when I put my power inside of you and I match that with my design destiny, then let me tell you what happens. The mundane becomes miraculous. The weakness becomes a weapon. The misery becomes a... thought God was done with you. God is saying you ain't seen nothing yet. He sent me here tonight to tell you tonight you ain't seen nothing yet. You might think that you have been discounted and nothing is new. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. You've been walking with Jesus and, and, and it's been a long time and God wants you to hear something fresh is coming to you. I need you to hear this because the next generation needs to know what you have seen. They need to hear what you have been through. They need to know what you know. They need it. But it comes with a prerequisite. You got to be touched. See, Jesus touched him twice. He touched him again. You need to let Jesus touch you again because you're incomplete until he touches you again. You need to hear this tonight. You need to let him touch you again tonight. Remember, I told you there was two definitions of the word touch. The first one was to fasten or adhere to. Let me tell you the second one because it's even better. The second definition is to fasten fire to a thing, to kindle or set fire, to set ablaze. So in other words, you might read that passage of scripture this way. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to set him on fire. You see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of you getting excited. You're getting ahead of me because here's the thing. When, you, when Jesus touches you and he sets you on fire, fire always represents the Holy Spirit. It's always representative of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of you. Now, in the presence of God, now, the, sometimes the presence of God, that fire is called to purify something. Sometimes it's a refiner's fire and something needs to get blazed away and something needs to burn away. You might get in the presence of God tonight and it may not change every one of your problems, but let me tell you exactly what it's going to do. It's going to reframe your focus. It's going to change the way you've been looking at something. It's going to adjust your perspective so that you can look at your issues and you can look at your problems and you can look at those giants and you can say, you ain't seen nothing. Yet. One time I took my boys camping. It was the first time I ever took them camping. We went out camping, had a great time. And during, while we were camping, we, you got to have a campfire, right? And I put this, the stones all together and we, we had a great camp. We had a big one, man. I go heavier, we go home. That sucker was blazing. We almost put on the whole forest. But but while we were there, we sat on the fire and we watched, we roast marshmallows and, and burned those up and we burned everything up we could find and had a great time. We were burning up everything. And then we went to bed and we went to sleep. 
And then we woke up the next morning, we came out to that fire. And it was just sitting there, right? And my boy said, oh no, Dad, the look, the fire's out. And my little boy, my, Joey was, was little at the time, and he, he started to reach into the fire right where they, right in the center of the fire. And I said, no, 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 don't touch that, son. And he looked at me like I had lobsters crawling out of my ears. He was like, what? I said, there's still fire in there. There's fire underneath that. It may look cold. It may look like ashes. It may look like dead. But I'm here to tell you that what I had to do that night or that morning is I said, just watch. Just hold on, Joe. Check this out. And I leaned down from my perspective, which was a little bit above him because I've seen a few fires before. And I went down on that fire that looked like it was cold, that looked like it was dead, that was just ashes, that was just gray. And I started to breathe on it. And as I blew on that little coal... The embers started to fire up, and next thing I know, a blazing fire was happening. There is something here for you tonight. The Lord wants to touch you. I'm here.